Hey, babe. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to the Petty Herbalist Podcast. <laughs> it's your girl, Karina, in the booth. What's up, what's up, what's up? <laughs> uh, and Karina is joined by Asia. It's, it's nice to be with y'all again. Yay. Happy New Year, y'all. It is 2022. So excited for what the year has to come for or (laughs) is going to bring us. Mm -hmm. And we are bringing y'all a special episode within the Me as Medicine series. And we're going to be talking about pork (laughs) (laughs) I thought I thought we didn't want no pork in our fork I thought we didn't even speak pig latin (laughs) listen (laughs) I stay with the swine okay (laughs) (laughs) but uh yes Asia is going to be our local pig slash pork expert she's not only teaching y'all the things but she's going to be teaching me so many things so I'm really excited and before we get into it let's talk about what's in our medicine bag so Asia what is in your medicine bag today Ooh, um (sighs) Hawthorne, um, Mm. moving deeper into my apprenticeship with Hawthorne, and she uh, is really showing me my heart and Mm. showing me the way that my attempt to construct sort of boundaries and barriers and and be really defensive mirrors the military industrial complex. Mm. Um, She keeps reminding me how expensive it is to constantly be preparing for war Mm. Um, and in sort of all of my you know my military spending I'm not investing in infrastructure I'm not investing in healthcare. I'm not investing in the arts I'm not investing Mm. in education instead you know 50% of all of my energy is going to maintaining boundaries and, and preparing for um, a war that doesn't exist. Um, mm. And so, yeah, uh, Hawthorne is really showing me how expensive war is mm. and, and teaching me that um, sometimes the best way to be is, is to surrender um, and make my heart like a semi-permeable membrane. Mm. that allows things to passively flow through it and other things get checked at the door no doubt but Mm -hmm. um what is it like to to move into the passive aspects of being and and cross bridges as they emerge um Mm. and so yeah Hawthorne is really really revealing at this point in our apprenticeship and uh, I'm grateful um to her and, and her wisdom I do have a follow-up question. Um, is it just Hawthorne Tincture you've been working with or what other, or what are all the ways in which Hawthorne has been your ally lately? Yeah. Um, so I am working with Hawthorne Tincture. 
Mm -hmm. I like to make two batches. There's the big, the big hawthorn that's ready in the summer. Mm -hmm. And then there's the small little hawthorn berries that are ready um, at the end uh, of fall. And so um, tincturing those, working with that medicine. Um, and also there are hawthorn trees um, around that still have fruit. And so I go and walk my dog next to the hawthorn trees and, and ponder on, um, on the season with them. And I think about hawthorn uh, I read about the heart. Um, it's a fully mm. kind of immersive experience for me that includes monitoring my own heart, mm. heart rate variability, my beats per minute, my blood pressure, um, and just really being in dialogue, seeing how different emotional states impact my heart and seeing how Hawthorne will bring my heart back to balance. And so, um, it's pretty full on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a full on apprenticeship. Um, but I, I do this with all of my loves, including my human loves, you know, like mm. we just go deep and, and it doesn't ever have to end. Like mm. I will know Hawthorne when I'm 90 and she mm -hmm. will still teach me about how I be full in. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> you know, how I'm a mess. Like, yeah. Like, Yes, I hear you, sis. Like, I'll be fucking up. Uh, mm -hmm. Thanks for getting my heart right, you know? Mm. Beautiful. Oh, thank you for that follow-up question, Karina. Of course. Opportunity to share that. Yes. So in my medicine bag this week, um, I have two things. Um, well, I could have, okay. Motherwort tincture, of course, because um, I started my period this week. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Truly, it is so nice to have my first period since um, getting off birth control. So it's been nice. It definitely felt like a regular period. I'm still on it, but it, it feels... Uh, it feels regular, <laughs> which is really nice. So... Um, yeah, I've been leaning on my girl mother wart um, per usual for um, like when I for support when I have cramps and or when I'm feeling anxious. Uh, mother wart is um, nourishing, nurturing like a mother. Um, she doesn't command that I stop being anxious. She invites me to stop being anxious, which is beautiful. Um, and then I have um, acupuncture and massage also in my medicine bag this week. Um, it's interesting. I was reading, I was on um, Instagram and um, because it's the new year, or new year's coming, um, there have been like these affirmation things telling you like what to look forward to not to have resolution all these things and one of the resolutions was to not be needy and I was like "Ooh, I don't like that because I think that it's important to um to need other people to need other things I don't know that um relying on yourself um is the key to success mm. um 
and I was reflecting on that as I was receiving acupuncture (laughs) I was like if I were independent like and I just depended on me I I wouldn't be receiving this medicine because you have to receive acupuncture someone who is skilled in this has to know how to do this properly and also your body like goes into action as you are are laying down as you are doing nothing your body is working you can't Mm. be active in acupuncture like it has to be received Mm. and so I was also thinking about that when I was getting a massage too I literally had to rest I couldn't move my muscles because in order to receive that medicine of Mm. someone like engaging in those muscles like you have to release all that tension so I think that um, learning to need people is beautiful um, and it keeps our economy running too you know <laughs> like we need our services we need other people to be experts in their things mm. and we all need to be experts in our things so we can share amongst one another um, these things that we do so well so we can bless each other and I was blessed by my acupuncture and massage okay the rest that I got from both of them was incredible so um yeah I had quite the bag this week (laughs) oh The thing you did with the economy too, like yes, yeah, like ooh, yeah. Babe, I I need you in my life. I'm so happy that I have you. Um, and yeah, I love, I love that. That's what you're you're working on. Uh, mm-hmm. Need while being needed by your accu. Exactly. <laughs> I was being needed. Okay. <laughs> I'm uh, about to finish these dinner rolls with the sourdough starter that you uh, that you gave to me. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, that's about to be medicine for for many um, mm. as we're moving into the new year. Yes. <sighs> so. I would like to present (laughs) yet once again the expert in pork and pig (laughs) Asia Dorsey because listen she's about to bless all of us today so Asia let's get into it I think it's cute that you call me an expert because you are um <laughs> I mean, let's let's talk about it. Like, um, so right now in my house, uh, my black eyed peas because it's mm. not uh, it's not New Year's yet. New Year's Eve is tomorrow. I know, so the, but so when black, y'all are listening to this, it'll be it'll be twenty twenty two. but yeah while we're recording while we're recording we got the beans the black eyed peas soaking the the Mm. collard greens are about to be uh in the sink um and my uh shank my ham shank is defrosting um i got it locally from uh one of my favorite favorite uh grass-fed and finished um Mm. So my, my, my pig wasn't force fed corn. It was, uh, it was outside in the, in the black forest, you know, rooting into and the way that pigs like deserve. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, a lot of, uh, 
of Black folks uh, want to be healthier, quote unquote healthier, and they mm -hmm. might they might want to try to substitute um, the smoked turkey or chicken for mm. the pork, but the pork is actually significant in the ritual. Um, the reason why, you know, Southerners eat um, these specific African foodways every single year mm -hmm. um, is rooted not only in nutrition, right, but it's rooted in hoodoo, which is the spirituality of, you know, all Black folks, all Black folks are hoodoo. Mm -hmm. um, and in our cultural and culinary history. And so each of the foods that we eat on the New Year's is symbolic of bringing in specific works that we're looking to accomplish. And mm. with pig, the reason why we don't substitute chicken for pig is that pigs root forward. Mm. Uh, this is their natural way and chickens sort of scratch backwards. And we're not trying to do that when we're moving into the future and so we got the pork on a fork um and what that. what the pig protein is going to do um in either the collard greens or in the black eyed peas which are super nutrient dense um mm -hmm. is that that little bit of pork is going to help liberate the iron um in the greens and the iron in the beans and that little bit of pork um, is also going to create collagen um, in the broth and that collagen is going to help our bones um, to have the kind of strength and flexibility that we're looking forward to moving mm -hmm. forward. So the calcium in the, in, the, in the greens are going to be better released when they are in the presence of the collagen that comes from the pork. Uh, creating a more whole and holistic meal. Um, wow. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that explanation because I, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I didn't know why we used pig instead of chicken and or turkey for the black eyed peas for New Year's. So thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Our ancestors were real symbolic. They loved rhyming. Everything mm. was wordplay. So rapping is just the natural extension of our, 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 our culture, right? Mm. It's like everything was rapping uh, for our ancestors. So um, here for it. Got the pork. Yes. <laughs> Everything Got the is, pork on my fork. On my pork. Yeah, everything's <laughs> ready to go. Yes. So Asia, mm. what does it look like? What is our food tradition in the United States besides for something like New Year's, like in the Black American and or Black uh, or African American tradition? Like why is pork or pig so important? And what are some examples of ways in which Black people have like really uh, made a piggy bank <laughs> out of pigs. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So, you know, after emancipation, um, white folks stay trying to come up with other systems to capture the labor power of Black people and to exploit them. Mm -hmm. um, and so they created, of course, 
the new, well, not the new Jim Crow, which is the prison industrial complex, but they created um, sharecropping mm -hmm. as a system of exploitation throughout the South. And, uh, you know, what poor whites, whenever we talk about Black folks, we're always, we're also talking about poor whites um, because, mm -hmm. you know, this is a conversation, race is a conversation about class always. So, right. The worse you treat black folks, that means all low-income people are going to suffer, mm -hmm. um, which is why black liberation is so important to everybody. But anyways, yeah. so our folks, our ancestors, our peeps were fucking starving, mm. right? Like the system of sharecropping, you know, they would only be able to grow a small share of food for themselves. And then they had to give the rest to the, the owner of the land who was oftentimes their old master and then mm -hmm. they had these janky ass grocery stores which were company stores owned by the master and all the prices mm -hmm. were inflated they had all these systems of credit um, that just kept black people poor and in debt and mm -hmm. um, because they had to grow a lot of their crops for export similar to you know industrialized countries industrializing mm -hmm. countries now they didn't have a lot of resource to grow food for themselves. And so Matt's starvation mm. was so rampant and access to meat was, was so scarce for them. Mm. And so their health also suffered. Um, and so as these, you know, sharecropping families, some folks who work off the farm, they could just get a little bit more coin mm -hmm. um, and then they'd be able to purchase an animal, something like a chicken, right? Mm. Uh, and with that chicken, oh, now they had an economy because then they could sell eggs, right? Mm. And so they'd be able to bring in more resources from eggs. And so often the women would use their egg money, right, mm -hmm. to buy like clothes for the kids, all this stuff. Ooh, so then the families, you know, doing a little better. They got some chicken meat. They got some eggs for breakfast. Turn up, turn up, turn up. <laughs> and then maybe, just maybe, they might be able to get a pig. Mm. right and pigs are important because pigs compete with humans for food pigs eat what we eat they can mm. other animals you know chickens can eat grass and bugs but meat also chickens eat meat mm -hmm. um cows eat grass but pigs compete and so what our ancestors would do is they would use the pig as a form of investment Mm. right they would use it as a form of investment and they would feed it the scraps and the leftovers and the better things they feed the pig the better the pig grows mm. and so over the years the the pig would act as a, a, a biological bank for them mm. and at the end of the season they would cash out right mm -hmm. <laughs> and it would be uh it would be a piggy bank <laughs> Hey. <laughs> and they'd be able to sell the meat and they'd be able to sell the the byproducts of uh of the pig and um you know what most folks don't know is that pig fat is some of the uh richest and most nourishing of all animal fats mm. uh, pig fat is over 50 percent mono um monounsaturated fat, which is the same kind of fat that you find in olive oil and mm. avocados. And so it's not actually technically saturated fat because it's mostly uh, unsaturated, monounsaturated. Mm. Uh, but pig fat only, especially from pigs that were reared, you know, in the sun, like mm -hmm. they like, uh, is one of the highest food sources of uh, naturally occurring vitamin D. 
Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. You can get some vitamin D from a fish, small oily fish, but for land-based animals, the vitamin D is coming from the pig. And so when our ancestors like, uh, you know, cashed out their pig and had pork and lard left over for their winter to survive, Mm -hmm. it was actually, you know, uh, one of the ways uh, to make sure they maintain their vitamin D status. And also pig meat mm. is really high in vitamin B6, which is the happy vitamin. Um, mm. And so pork and pleasure actually <laughs> <laughs> got the sunshine vitamin, vitamin D. So you're not depressed. Mm-hmm. Then you got B6 up in there. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And all of those things kind of contribute to, to happiness and, and joy. Um, wow. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And Asia, can you tell us a little bit more about the communal farm or the community farms? Yeah. In which ran these piggy banks? Yes. That's a fascinating story. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about it because sharecropping was shit and it was unfair and fuck mm-hmm all that okay fuck all that um and you know outside of sharecropping like what black people wanted most was to get access to land Mm -hmm. right they're like we don't want to work for y'all like we want serenity like we want (laughs) our own land right and so one of the ways that all of us all of our people really strategize is by collectivizing Mm. um and one of my favorite 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 historical figures because if you know me then you know that I love uh cooperatives everything yes. um <laughs> you don't know me unless you know about co-ops okay mm-hmm. um but one of my favorite historical figures her name was Fanny Lou Hamer mm. Ooh, Fanny <laughs> Lou okay <laughs> You studying the economic history of the United States, you gotta, you gotta give praise to Auntie, Auntie Fanny. Um, mm. And so she started and she founded what was called the Freedom Farm Cooperative mm. uh, in 1969. And her and some homies like um, got, were able to purchase 40 acres. <laughs> hey. But instead of 40 acres in the mule, they got 40 acres and some pigs okay that's right (laughs) (laughs) and they called this the pig bank and basically they created a fund um and with this fund the co-op purchased uh oh I don't exactly remember the numbers but it they purchased um female pigs and male pigs and they were able you know, because buying animals represented food security and economic security for uh, Black farmers, they were able to breed and purchase a lot of pigs and they would give people, instead of giving them meat, right, Mm. they would give them the means of production, right, right? the means of producing meat, Mm -hmm. so that these families were able to breed their own and to become pig farmers. And, you know, after a after the pig and you really you really on your a game you know you get a cow okay yeah the cash cash cow cow. (laughs) (laughs) so you got your piggy bank Mm -hmm. and then you got your cash cow right Mm -hmm. and then you got your milk you got your butter right you got your calcium like every Mm -hmm. time our ancestors were able to purchase more animals 
they were mm-hmm. able to improve their health status and their financial status. Okay. Mm. Okay. So listen, if y'all know about farming, <laughs> then you know <laughs> the importance of livestock. You mm. feel me? Not mm-hmm. fake stock, not Bitcoin. I love right. Bitcoin, but like <laughs> live living, living stock. Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, yeah. So sister Fannie Lou like was uh, like, of course, like her ideas were super influential to the Black Power Movement and were mm-hmm. um, in correspondence and conversations with other movements for greater Black economic serenity and liberation. And so um, the pig has really been central um, to Black people getting free and Black people getting freedom. Mm, That's beautiful. Uh, It reminds me of my medicine bag, how we all need each other. Exactly. And how when we come together collectively, we can really move forward in our move forward economically and um, in love and care um, for our communities. And Asia, I know that we were talking about how um, when we're talking about pigs and or pork and improving health, there are examples of centenarians right around the world um that mainly their diet subsisted from eating pork right and or lard yeah so you know there's all these conversations about health and people stay demonizing the pig Mm. (laughs) they stay demonizing the pig they do and um you know what some some of that comes from the fact that like pigs are a smarter than you <laughs> probably <laughs> they are they're the smartest animal um in fact like to slaughter pigs they had to create a whole different mechanism because the pigs knew that they were dying mm. um pigs are gods and mm. pigs like oh there's a lot about pigs um and why pigs are important culturally socially spiritually um and the demonization of pigs is 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 unfounded but uh you know some of that demonization talks about pork being unhealthy Mm. you know lay off the swine lay off the swine (laughs) (laughs) and and karina and i are laughing right we're we're laughing um But it's not really, it's not funny, you know, like there are whole uh, religions who condemn the consumption of, um, of pig. And I want to, I want to bow to the context that those religions emerged in, especially uh, Mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't be eating pork in the Middle East in the desert. Right. That don't make no sense Mm because pigs don't like that. And so those religions that grew out of desert culture are, of course, going to condemn things that are outside of that ecological milieu. Right. Right. So it it makes sense, Um, you know, and when it comes to Black history and pork, uh, we can't move forward without talking about the work of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Uh, most people don't know that the largest group of Muslims in the United States are Black Muslims. Yeah. And Elijah Muhammad uh, wrote a really amazing book called How to Eat to Live, where he condemned the swine. <laughs> uh, and, and 
to contextualize that, like it, it happened at a time when industrial food was really starting to take off. And what mm. was happening to pigs at that time is exactly what was happening to cows at that time. Mm. Um, and so, you know, this is, you know, the time of like Malcolm X, like, mm-hmm. uh, and what was happening in American political history, uh, Black folks were moving away from the, the drudgery of the South and sharecropping and all the fuckery there to Northern cities where they mm. no longer had access to fresh food. They were no longer connected to the land. The white flight was happening as the Black folks were moving in, the white folks were moving out in the grocery stores, right? Mm-hmm. We're following the white people. And so you were creating, these are the, the nascent, uh, this is the birthplace of the so-called food deserts or what we like mm. to call food apartheid. And so mm. you got these black Muslims who are coming into um, these disenfranchised black uh, neighborhoods, um, helping them to remember, yo, like fresh food matters. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And in fact, like these black Muslims, the nation of Islam was really organized. The nation of Islam also had their own version of Freedom Farms where they grew mm. super healthy food and they had corner stores. They would buy corner stores where they would be able to vend their healthy foods to low-income Black folks. So the nation mm. was really on it, but the nation right. was also anti-Black. Right. Okay. <sighs> they came for traditional Black food, calling it slave food, mm. uh, linking anything with our past demonizing it and there was a lot of colorism at play as well Mm -hmm. so part of demonizing pork was religious right from islam but it was Mm -hmm. also a a form of anti-blackness and cultural shame right ashamed of the the roots of our enslaved ancestors and created a lot of mythology around pork uh being unhealthy but you know in my studies of health (laughs) my studies (laughs) what I'm finding is that pork especially lard tends to be linked with some of the like longest living people in the world and by the way Mm -hmm. the oldest people in the world are uh two African Americans yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, but some of the other older people so Dan Buettner has this book called The Blue Zones and I have so don't get started. I'm so <laughs> mad at him. Um, he's pushing this like plant-based agenda. And so in his ethnograph, like ethnographer, whatever, in his research, he's <laughs> hyper-emphasizing vegetables and under-emphasizing meat, trying to mm. push that like to be healthy, you have to only eat plants. Right. And it's obnoxious because again, it's an example of the white imagination reshaping black and indigenous food ways. Mm. And I'm really pissed. Like your job as an anthropologist is to report on what the people are doing, not what you, not your framework. So when we're looking at, you know, three out of the five blue zones, we're talking about Sardinia, uh, Costa Rica, Mm -hmm. and the Okinawans. Um, Basically, their main cooking fat was lard. Mm. <laughs> so the Okinawans, what's like, what people's not fully recognizing is like, yeah, they eat mad potatoes and vegetables, but they cook all of it in pork fat. Mm. <laughs> and the same is with, uh, um, the same is with uh, the Ni- Nyakoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. Like, mm. they're eating 
mad lard. And so it's this very interesting um, Mm. conundrum where we have like the longest lived people in the world with this deep, deep relationship with the pig. Mm -hmm. And, you know, pig meat is some of the we call it sweetest, but it's also some of the most moistening meat that there is, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that aging is associated with brittleness and dryness. Right. Um, and so, you know, another example, I spent some time in New Mexico. Mm. I love New Mexico with the, you know, sweet sis, Janice. Shout out. <laughs> Shout um, out. And I was like, why, you know, I was trying to figure out like why people, especially the brown and indigenous people, like why they eat so much pork and also like why they eat so much hot food. Mm, (laughs) Like mm -hmm. it's a fucking, it's a desert, right? Uh, Mm. Super high altitude. Um, And so why is the main meat pork? And what I got uh, was because of course, like it's the meat is moistening right and it's helping them to to survive like the dryness of that of that environment um and of course like the chilies also like help to thin the blood and keep things moving and are Mm. also beneficial for the lungs um which is important um to to help folks breathe at high altitude so just looking Mm. at the way that the indigenous people not just like ancient indigenous ancestors, but the living indigenous people who are kicking it right now, the Pueblo, right? right? They're eating, right? Pork and they're eating, right? Chilies. Um, and you know, black people like hot sauce. So anyways, period. Um, period. And, so bacon. Like, and bacon. Oh, we all love bacon. Listen, okay. vegans love bacon, okay? <laughs> Everybody said, okay, no pork except bacon. Um, so yeah, I just, I think it's important and I, and I would like us to continue to be an inquiry around like pork and longevity and for mm-hmm. us to, you know, situate pork and its ecosystem um, and to also situate movements against pork historically with an analysis of race and class and religion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to have pork on your fork, you know, <laughs> and, you know, for us, honoring our ancestors also means honoring our ancestral foods right um and so yeah we're, we're eating pork for new years okay yes <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah yes that's beautiful thank you for that wow so much education so much love so many things to think about um and I'm so excited to continue this series of Me as Medicine. We got more for y'all coming up soon. But for today, we're just going to end with our bougie auntie word of advice. Asia, what you got for the folk? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what medicine I need right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, before we started recording the pod, like you, 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 you were awesome. Oh. <laughs> so I'm preach? still like so alive <laughs> from what you were sharing about, about uniqueness mm. and not being afraid of um, living into and walking into our uniqueness. 
Mm. Um, and so I think that my bougie auntie world word of advice um, is, you know, as we're looking at the the costs, you know, the cost of our life, the cost of our lifestyle, I'm curious about what is the cost? Um, how much would it cost you to be yourself? Like, Ooh. what would you, what would you give up? And, and what would you not have? And who would be outside of your world? And, and what, what kind of sacrifice would it take to be yourself? Um, to be yourself out loud, to be yourself in public. Um, I know that by talking about pork that um, there are certain people's like, we're done. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but that's a cost that I'm willing to bear. Right. And moving forward, I'm just thinking about like all the losses that are going to come from being myself, but also like the worlds that I'm going to be able to gain and the space that's going to be in my heart for more things to enter. Um, and so, yeah, I guess my, my word of advice is like, let's do some calculation um, mm. and, and know that the other side of the calculation that we actually can't calculate how much the value of liberation, <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. but let's calculate the losses so that we can get real about it, you know, and mm. I'm curious what comes up in that process. <sighs> well, uh, I I didn't. I mean, I should have expected a word, but I was uh, unprepared. Um, Because, wow, Asia, that that's really resonating with me right now because I'm feeling it. Um, For my bougie word of advice, um, I was thinking about... um, I always think a lot, especially when I hear quotes. Um, I heard a lot of don't settle or never settle um, this past week. And um, I got to thinking and I was like, but I think the reality in life is that you're going to settle um, at some point or another. You just have to decide what you're going to settle on and what you're not going to settle on. Um, so in Asia's talk about calculating and whatnot, I think, um, for me, um, in what I'm discussing right now, I would like y'all to decide what you're going to allow yourself to settle with, because sometimes you will have to settle, you know, um, what will you allow yourself to settle on and what things will you absolutely not let yourself settle on? Um, And I think that that will allow you to be more free. Um, We have too many um, ideologies in which we expect ourselves to be perfect and strong and on it all the time. And the reality is that we're not. Mm. The reality is that you're going to fail. The reality is you're going to not live up to what you expect yourself to be sometimes. And that's okay. And that you can powerfully choose in those moments. to like I said settle or not Hmm. and um you are still powerful in yourself even when you do settle so um yeah I invite you to not have to be perfect 
and to settle sometimes and it's okay so that's what i got for y'all today <laughs> deep <Oof. laughs> i'm just thinking about how exhausting it is to not yeah. settle for anything and right how yeah it's like wow like it's impossible it's impossible to not you know like because your expectations aren't real no (laughs) (laughs) so you're like if it don't meet my expectations it's like but your shit is made up I know (laughs) Karina (sighs) I tell you oh I just been thinking this week I tell you what (laughs) so um yeah that's what we got for y'all today so I hope y'all enjoyed the pod. I enjoyed it so very much. And um, don't forget to support us. Support Asia at Bones, Bugs, and Botany on Instagram and on patreon.com slash Bones, Bugs, and Botany to support Asia as she writes this book because she is writing this book. (laughs) (laughs) Period. Um, And don't forget to support the podcast um, at Petty Herbalist on Instagram and TikTok and on Twitter and apparently on Facebook too, um, (laughs) which was news to me, (laughs) even though I'm the one who apparently set it up. Um, we'll delete so we're on no actually I learned that um it's good to have a a Facebook for podcasts so I'm gonna keep that um the only reason I'm keeping that but um so we're on the socials and if you would like to support us on patreon.com slash petty herbalist um go ahead and uh, click your um, level of contribution and I just want to shout out all the people who stay supporting us to this day to this day um but yeah we really appreciate y'all support and um happy new year y'all happy new year uh as as always um stay ready and be, be petty, petty. <laughs> bye <laughs> bye